Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. On July 5th, Police Constable Prince Forjor was on duty at Abeka La Paz. He happened to be passing by the Stanbic Bank ATM at the Abeka Total Filling Station, and he noticed something strange. The cash machine was dispensing cash, yet there was no customer around. So he went closer to look and saw that there was money coming out of the machine, but there was no one authorizing the transaction. So Police Constable Prince Forjor went over, picked up the money, and counted it. It was... 2,000 Ghana CDs. Well, you can imagine what might have been passing through the mind of this young man. After all, there was no one around. He could have taken the money, put in his pocket, and no one would see. He might even have been thinking, now, wow, see how God did bless me, oh. But Police Constable Prince Forjor knew that the money belonged to someone else. He couldn't keep what wasn't his, and so he did the right thing. He reported the matter to the police commander, Chief Superintendent Theodore Lormenu. The chief superintendent then returned the money to the bank. When Stanbic Bank heard about the integrity of Police Constable Prince Forjor, they decided to reward the young man. And so they had a ceremony, and they presented him with a package of cash and vouchers and investments worth... 6,000 Ghana CDs. Hey! But not only that, when the Inspector General of Police, Mr. James Opangwana, heard about the integrity of his police constable, he pitched in and gave Prince Forjor an additional 5,000 Ghana CDs. So, wait, 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 wait. Police Constable Prince Forjor returned 2,000 Ghana cities to the rightful owner, and in return, he received 11,000 Ghana cities. Hey! Nobis Martino! That is open heaven blessings. And believe it or not, there's a powerful truth for all of us in the true story of our very own police constable, Prince Forger. You see, the fact is, the way to be blessed with open heaven blessings is opposite of what most people think. It's not in grabbing, it's in giving. It's not in stealing, it's in sowing. When you follow God's principles and obey his word, the heavens open and the blessings come down. And when you give God what rightfully belongs to him, when you return to God what is his, in the first place, he opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing you can't contain. That's the message in our sermon this morning, a sermon entitled Open Windows. We're going to discover the three steps we can all take today to live under open heaven blessings. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you. You are so gracious, so kind, so loving, so amazing, so awesome, so good, You want to bless your people. You want us to prosper spiritually, physically, in every way. And we thank you for your great love and compassion. Lord, we know that we can only do this. We can only see and receive your blessings when we obey your words and surrender to you. So come and move in our hearts today. Open our minds to receive your truth and touch our spirits with your grace and power that we might respond with a resounding yes. We submit to you, we bind every voice of the devil that would come to steal the seed of the word out of our hearts, every voice that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. We command it silent right now in the name of Jesus. We pray you'll bless us with your truth and your grace. Bless those joining us online and let the 
name of Jesus be glorified in our midst today. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want to invite you guys to take a moment. Join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome once again to Agape House New Testament Church. And as we've seen last week in our opening sermon in the Open Heaven series, when there's something we do, God responds. There's a premise to every promise. And that's what we're going to discover today in our sermon, Open Windows. For you see, not only is God blessing us spiritually, not only is he blessing our prayer lives and giving us revelation and prophetic outpouring, not only are we living in the supernatural, realm, but God is also blessing us financially. He's blessing us physically. We believe that the blessings and the grace of God are coming to chase you down and tackle you and carry you to a greater level of financial and physical blessings as well. If you believe it, say amen. But as we saw last week, there's a premise to every promise, and so it is for us today. There's something we have to do in order to obtain that promise, and to find out what that is, we've printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin, and I invite you to take them out now and follow along as we discover three steps to open heaven blessings. There at the top of your notes and on the screen ahead of you is our scripture text for today. One simple verse found from the book of Malachi, that Old Testament prophet, chapter 3, verse 10. I want us to read it out loud together. Would you read it with faith and with fervor today? Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Hear the word of the Lord to you today. This is a promise from God. It's an amazing promise of extravagant blessings. It's a promise from the Lord himself. For he says, this is what I will do. He's not sending an angel. He's not sending a prophet or servant. He says, I personally, I, Jehovah God, am going to do something for you. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. Everybody say windows. See, God didn't say one window. He said windows. And when he said, I'm opening the windows of heaven, it means every single window in heaven is going to be open. Jehovah is coming to open every single window in heaven so that he can pour out and dump upon you a blessing that is greater than you can receive. It's a blessing of prosperity, a blessing of peace, a blessing of grace, a blessing of anointing, a blessing of favor, a blessing of life, a blessing of health, a blessing in every area of your life. This is the greatest promise of blessing in the Bible when God says he himself will open the windows of heaven. But what conditions are there in this promise? Well, let's discover the three steps we need to take in order to receive this blessing. And here's your first truth today. It's the principle of God's ownership. Everybody say God's uh, ownership. See, open heaven blessings begin with understanding that God owns everything. He blesses that which belongs to him. That's why he says in our text, bring all the tithes into the storehouse in my temple. So the first step to open heaven blessings is to heed the principle of God's ownership. See, God has laid out a very simple plan for all of us to be blessed. And that blessing isn't just the amount of money you have, but it's peace in your heart, 
along with money in the bank. It's success in your career along with satisfaction in your soul without sorrow. And that one simple principle that gives us financial rewards while we have soul rewards and spiritual rewards is the principle of God's ownership. See, the fact is if you own your life, if you own everything in your bank account and all the property you have, if you own it all, then the burden and responsibility to keep it and care for it and build it rests solely with you. If everything you have is yours, God has no interest and no responsibility to protect it or take care of it. And so we become worried. We become difficult in life. We become sweaty and we become struggling and we become uh, upset and anxious about every detail because the burden Less lays with us. But if God owns you and God owns everything you have in your possession, then it becomes his responsibility to take care of it. The money in the bank is God's. The house, the car is God's. It's his responsibility to protect it and to help you increase it. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And Jesus gives us the key to having worry lifted from our heart when we understand that everything belongs to God. For open heaven blessings belong to everyone God owns. When you yield yourself completely to God, he takes responsibility for you. When you trust yourself completely to God, he blesses you beyond your wildest dreams. That's the powerful truth we can learn from the amazing true story of the American athlete named Daryl Strawberry. Back in the 80s and 90s, Daryl Strawberry was a very successful athlete in the U.S. who played the American sport of baseball. He was born with a natural gift. He was tall and strong and successful at what he did. In fact, it made him very rich. Over the life of his career, he earned 30 million U.S. dollars. He had fame. He was one of the most popular American athletes in the 90s. 1980s and 90s, and he was successful. He played on numerous all-star teams, and he was part of a team that won four national championships. Money, success, applause, awards. Daryl Strawberry had it all. But surprisingly, in the game of life, Daryl Strawberry was a loser. In spite of all his worldly accomplishments, he was empty inside. Listen to his words. When I was playing in my career, I wondered why I was always so lonely. I had everything from a worldly standpoint that you're supposed to be happy with, but it never fulfilled me on the inside. So Daryl Strawberry started looking for internal peace and satisfaction. He started using cocaine, getting drunk. He became an alcoholic and a drug addict. He fell in with the wrong crowd and lost his money. He went bankrupt and finally ended up in prison. He passed through two divorces and had cancer twice. He was bankrupt, broken, and left for dead. But in the middle of his mess, Jesus Christ came and delivered him. God broke through the darkness and death and saved Daryl Strawberry and started reading his Bible in prison, started praying and serving God. He surrendered control to the Lord Jesus Christ and began walking in God's ways. And today, Daryl Strawberry is quick to tell you that he is now living under open heavens. In fact, that's what he tells millions of people as he travels around the world with his wife, preaching the gospel in crusades and schools and churches 
churches and prisons. He tells people about the wonderful delivering power of Jesus Christ. Listen to his words. He's the God of the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth chances. He's a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus found me in the pit and put me in the pulpit. Only Jesus can do that. Come on and give the Lord some praise. When Daryl Strawberry gave ownership of his life to God, everything changed. And if he were here with us today, he would tell us the same thing he tells millions of people around the world. Seeking blessings in the wrong way won't lead to happiness. Seeking blessings in the wrong place won't lead to success. But when you turn your life over to Jesus, he comes in and changes you. In fact, no matter who you are or what you've got in your purse or what you've got in your bank account, let God take complete control and you'll enter the atmosphere of open heaven blessings. For the truth is God always gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. That's why he says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Tell your neighbor, don't put your hope in money, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God is calling upon us today not to focus on the finance, but to focus on the Father. Put our hope in him. So lift your hand and say after me, I will not trust in riches but in him who richly provides. See, here's the problem for most of us. Even if you're outstandingly wealthy, even if you exceed all expectations, even if you're the richest person at Agape House, hey, Nubis Martino, even if you've got all the money in a house at Trisaco, you can't keep it forever. In fact, the short time that you will be alive and the short time you'll possess all that money questions whether you actually control anything you own because everything you have, everything that comes into your hand will eventually be moved away from you and given to someone else. And if you own everything, you can't keep it. But when God owns everything, you keep it and get blessed for eternity. That's a powerful lesson we can learn from a man in the U.S. named Stephen Thomas. Ten years ago, Stephen Thomas made an investment in the cryptocurrency Bitcoin. Now, back in 2011, Bitcoin was just getting started. In fact, in 2011, it's the first time ever Bitcoin reached the astounding price of one US dollar per Bitcoin. So Stephen Thomas bought over 7,000 Bitcoin and he had a little tiny investment. But over the last 10 years, Bitcoin has catapulted into the stratosphere and one Bitcoin is now worth $40,000 from $1 to $40,000. So you can imagine Stephen Thomas's wealth has increased greatly. If he were to cash out all his Bitcoin, it would be worth 280 million US dollars. But there's just one problem. Stefan's bitcoins are locked up in an iron key hard drive and Stefan can't remember the password. He set the password 10 years ago. He made it very complicated and now he can't remember it. And without the passcode, Stefan Thomas cannot access his $280 million worth of bitcoin. He can't touch it. Worst of all, the iron key hard drive allows you 10 and only 10 chances to enter the correct password. If you don't enter the correct password on the 10th time, the entire hard drive is wiped out. Stefan has made eight unsuccessful attempts. 
he has two chances left, and he himself says, there is no chance I will remember my password. $280 million in investment, gone. Stefan may possess a lot of wealth, but he certainly can't enjoy it. And even if somehow, even if somehow he were able to remember the passcode and get that $280 million out, he will keep it for a few years, and then when he goes to eternity, he loses it. It all becomes someone else. For no matter who you are or how much money you hold, you can't take it with you. And when you think about it, none of us really own anything. We're simply stewards. We're simply temporarily in possession of things that will pass through our hands and go to others. So the question comes up, who owns you? Who really controls your money? The fact is God is the only one who has a right to control us. We would not be here if not for him. He's the one who gave every one of us life. No matter what you say or what you believe, it is God who brought you here. You didn't choose to be born. You didn't choose to come into the world. And not only that, the Bible tells us in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Every person belongs to God. He claims ownership over your life. For not only did he create you, he's the one who holds us together. The Bible says, we are held together by the breath of his word. In him we live and move and have our being. None of us would exist without him. And if you think that it's by your own cleverness or by your own effort or your own character that you've gotten wealth, understand that you could do nothing without Jesus Christ. Every thought, every action, every creative idea, everything you've accomplished is because God gave you the ability. For First Chronicles 29 says, wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. It's in your hands to strengthen and power to exalt and to give strength to all. You can't say you've gotten what you've gotten by yourself. It's God who did it. For he says in Deuteronomy 8, you might say to yourself, I'm rich because of my own power and strength. But remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to become rich. And the truth is, God isn't after your money. He's after you. God doesn't want to spend your money. He wants to spend eternity with you. That's why the Bible says in Romans 6, 13, give yourselves completely to God. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. God is looking for those of us today who will say, Lord, everything I have and everything I am belongs to you. Take ownership, take control, because when he takes control, he lifts you up into the heavenly realms. So what does it look like to give yourself to God? Does that mean we have to sell all of our possessions and become poor and beg? Does it mean we have to all go to the upper west and become missionaries? God lays out a clear pattern what it means when you give yourself to God. In 2 Corinthians 8, 5, it says, they first gave themselves to the Lord before they gave their money. This is what God wants. So first, heed the principle of ownership. And then second, practice generous offering. Everybody say generous offering. God says, first, give yourself to me. Let me own you and take control of you. Let me take responsibility for your wealth and then show that ownership by practicing generous offering. For with everything we have belongs to God, we must practice generous offering as an acknowledgement that he is the true owner. That's why a few verses before our text, in Malachi 3.8, God says this, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Hey. 
when we withhold our tithes and offerings, what we're really saying is, not I have a financial need, not that I have bills to pay. What we're really saying is it's mine, not yours. We are denying God's ownership. But when we open our hearts and open our hands and practice generous offering, we're honoring God and acknowledging his ownership. That's why Proverbs 3 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Turn your notes over to page 2 and understand that generously offering your tithes and gifts to God acknowledges him and honors him. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. An open heart precedes an open heaven, and an open heart produces open hands. Let's say that all together. Ready, go. An open heart always precedes an open heaven. An open heart always produces open hands. It's impossible to experience open heaven blessings from God's open heaven without first having an open heart and an open hand. For Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, your heart will be where your treasure is. And there's a fundamental connection between your spiritual and your financial life. When you are generous, it's a sign of God's grace. And you grace-filled people are generous. This is exactly what God did for us. He showed his love by giving. In John 3, 16, the verse we all know, the Bible says, for this is how. How, how did God love the world? He gave. When you love, you give. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life because everyone everywhere gives to what they love. That's the lesson we can learn from Reverend Eric Anasari. Reverend Asari is a Ghanaian pastor and father of four. And some years ago, when his children were growing up, he faced a difficult dilemma. At a point in time, he was given the opportunity to pursue his education and earn his first degree. But at the same time, his oldest child, a daughter, was facing the opportunity to enter junior high school. And the family finances couldn't sustain both projects. So Reverend Asari made the decision to sacrifice his own ambition and pay for his daughter's junior high school. Over the years, each year, as the children grew up, the needs continued to grow. The school fees continued to expand, and Reverend Asari was never able to pursue his degree. Yet today, he's been able to put all four of his children into university. Gloria Asari went to Accra Girls, got a BA from KNUST and an MA from UG. Edward Asari went to Accra Academy and got a degree from UG. Benedict finished Pope John and graduated from UG. And now the baby of them all, the youngest, Richmond, completed O'Reilly SHS and is currently pursuing a BSc at GTUC. The evidence of the father's love was his sacrificial and generous giving. And so it is for all of us. You will give sacrificially and generously to what you love. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. You can give without being surrendered to God, but you cannot be surrendered to God without giving. That's why the practice of paying tithes and offerings hasn't expired. That's why the practice of paying tithes and offerings doesn't change. It's based on the unchanging principle of ownership. That's why the verses before our text tell us that even in the second coming, even after the earth has finished as we know it, even when Christ comes again and is seated on the throne, men will still bring offerings to him. Listen to Malachi 3, 1 to 4. The Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. 
Who can endure the day of his coming? That's talking about the second coming. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. This hasn't happened yet. It's about to happen. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. So even when Christ comes the second time, we will be bringing offerings to God because it's an eternal principle. God's ownership of man is an eternal principle. Man's offering to God is an eternal practice. Some people say, oh, tithing. That's Old Testament. That's the law. I'm under grace. I don't have to tithe. That, that's just a way for you to manipulate people and get money from them. Hey, if I wanted money, I wouldn't be here. Hallelujah. Would have stayed in U.S. I'm not out for money. I'm out for God to receive the glory that he deserves. The truth is tithing is based on the principle of ownership. And ownership doesn't change. Principles don't change. That's why God says in Malachi 3.6, the very same text we're preaching from, I, the Lord, do not change. That's why Jesus himself advocated for tithing. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, you should tithe. Yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So here's what Jesus is saying. He says, you've got to tithe. Yes, you should keep tithing because it's based on the eternal principle of God's ownership. But don't give your money with hatred in your heart. Don't give your money and gossip against the pastor. Don't give your money while you're stealing from man. Give your tithe, yes, but also do it out of a holy heart. Do it out of a reverence for God. Do it to honor him. So let me be clear. Tithing is 10% of your income. 10% is 10%. If you don't give a full 10%, you are not paying your tithe. Tithe is 10% of your income brought to the house of God. You can't pay your tithe to a missionary in Upper West. You can't pay your tithe to a prophet who has Zoom meetings at midnight. You can't pay your tithe by paying your sister's children's school fees. Hello! Paying your tithe is 10% of your income brought to the house where you worship. For Exodus 23, 19 says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So here's the principle you need to practice. All the tithe, all the time equals all God's blessing. You can't pay tithe part of the time. You can't pay a portion of it. You can't give occasionally and expect open heaven blessings. Bring your first fruits, God said. Bring it to my house, God says. All the tithe, all the time, and you will have an open heaven. If you believe it, say amen. This is the lesson we can learn from the story of Cain and Abel. You remember them. They were the first two sons of Adam and Eve. The Bible tells us that Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. And they brought their, uh, their offering at a point in time to God. And the Bible says that God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's. And I used to wonder why, God, why did you reject Cain's? The secret is in Genesis 4, 3 to 5. Listen carefully. In the course of time, everybody say in the course of time. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. The Lord did not accept Cain and his gift. And the key is in those first five words, in the course of time. Which means that Cain gathered his harvest and he sorted it out. He put it in his barns. He calculated how much he would spend, what he would eat. He took some of it. He ate some of it. And after he'd figured out how everybody would be fed and everything would be met, he said, okay, let me take what's left over and give it to God. And God rejected Cain's offering because he demands the first 10%, not the leftover. 
And oftentimes we give like Cain. We say, well, I'll, I'll give at the end of the month. Let me just get through the month. i got to pay the lights and pay the school fees and pay the rent and pay the food and pay the transport. And things come and go and things happen. And before you know it, you get to the end of the month, you say, oh, sorry, God, not enough left for you. He owns it all. He says, bring it first. God doesn't want your leftovers. He wants your first. And when you give God the first, you break the power of greed and you get joy and peace in giving. So here's the question you need to ask yourself. Do your possessions possess you? Are you focused on how much money you have or are you focused on how much money has you? The good news is we can all break the cycle of greed. We can begin to practice generous offering when we acknowledge the principle of ownership and do what God says in 1 Corinthians 16. Now, about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatians church just to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you, tell your neighbor he's talking about you, each one of you, should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. When you make a practice of generous offering, when you make a practice of paying your tithe, you begin to move into the place of open heaven blessings and the promise of God's overflow is you. Just say God's overflow. That's our third step today. Listen again to Malachi 3.10, how our text ends. I, God, will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And I'm here to declare to you that my God cannot fail. My God cannot lie. He is able to make a way for you. He's able to make all grace abound to you. He's able to enrich you and to bring prosperity into you. He's able to meet that need, to buy that house, to buy that car, to do the work, to build the business. He's able to help you send your children through school. He's able... When he opens the windows of heaven, there's nothing on earth that can hold it back. It's coming from above. It's falling all over us. And when it comes, it not only brings financial blessing, but he brings peace with it. When God owns you and you practice generous offering, you get wealth with wisdom. You get success with security. You get prosperity with peace. For Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. And the open heaven blessings of God come to us, not just in this life, but in the life to come. See, we've got a reward that's greater than any company can give us. We've got a reward that's greater than what Constable Prince Forge or God. We've got a reward that excels and exceeds the money of this earth. We've got a reward in this life and in the life to come. For Jesus said in Luke 18, I tell you the truth, all those who've left houses, wives, brothers, parents, or children for the kingdom of God will get much more in this life. And in the age that is coming, they will have life forever. And I'm here to declare the word of the Lord to you today that the open heaven blessings are on the children of God in this life and they continue throughout eternity. For the good news is when God blesses you, it's not like the blessing of the world. When God blesses you, you can't lose the password. When God blesses you, it doesn't rot or subject to thieves. It can't rust or mold or decay. When you get the blessing of God, it's from now through eternity. Somebody say amen. That's why you can't compare your status now to the status you will have in heaven. You can't look at others and become envious of their wealth. For understand something, my friend, this is not the end. This life is in the only place for blessing. And when we get to heaven, we will see the reward of our generous offerings. And we will acknowledge that we've lived under open heaven blessings that have exceeded our imagination. For the fact is, you can't determine God's ultimate reward for your life. 
based on where you are right now. That's the lesson we can learn from what happened at the Miss Universe pageant in 2015. Way back in December 20th, 2015, the Miss Universe pageant was held at Las Vegas, USA. The MC was Steve Harvey, and at the climax of the event, he stepped forward with a microphone to announce the winner. Everyone held their breath. The contestants were nervous. The crowd was sitting on pins and needles. Steve Harvey said, and the winner of Miss Universe 2015 is Miss Columbia, the crowd went wild. The crown was placed on Miss Columbia's head. The sash was put over her shoulder, and she spent two minutes walking across the platform, waving and smiling, basking in her victory. She had won. She had won. But then after two minutes of the crowd cheering and Miss Columbia waving, suddenly the unthinkable happened. Steve Harvey stepped forward and said, uh, I'm sorry, folks. I made a mistake. I read the wrong name. Hey, it's not Miss Columbia. The real winner is Miss Philippines. And they went and took the crown from Miss Columbia. And they put it on Miss Philippines. Miss Columbia is in counseling up to today. I'm telling you, she's in counseling. And they put it on Miss Philippines, who now strolled and waved as the crowd cheered. And that's how it will be when Jesus comes again. I won! I won! I built the biggest house in Accra. I won! I was the greatest CEO. I won! I won! I had the most lavish wedding. I won! I won! My car park was filled with luxurious vehicles. I won! I won! I ended with more money. But your two minutes of fame will be stripped away from you, and the crown you had on earth will be given to God's people who practiced generous offering. And in that glorious day, all those who belong to him will receive a crown. Open heaven blessings aren't just about accumulating things in this world. Open heaven blessings are about true and lasting riches. That's why 1 Timothy 6 says, tell those who are rich, tell those who are rich, I'm talking to you, to do good, to be rich in good works. Tell them they should be happy to give and ready to share. Because when you give and share, they will be saving up a treasure for themselves. And that treasure will be a strong foundation on which their future life, their eternal life will be built. They will be able to have the life that is truly life. God's calling us today to live under an open heaven. But it's impossible to have open heaven blessings without being generous. For only those who are generous have acknowledged God's ownership. And only those who are generous will receive the crown in heaven. And only those who are generous will walk with the Lord with true riches for eternity. That's why Jesus said in Acts chapter 20, 35, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And to those who practice the principle of ownership, to those who practice generous offering, to those who are the Lord's, he promises outpouring, overflow, greater than you can contain in this life and in the life to come. Blessings that are ours with no sorrow added to it. That's living under open heavens with open windows, pouring out open heaven blessings.
If that's what you want, I urge you, pay your tithe at Agape House. Give generously and see how God will open windows for you. Shall we stand together? Let me pray for you right now. If you would stand and lift your hands before the Lord, I want to speak a blessing over your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, all that we have and all that we are belongs to you. We give it to you, surrender to you, take control. Lord, like we saw last week, when you took control, John entered heaven immediately and saw the miraculous. So Lord, take control of us. Take complete control. We surrender to you and we ask you to lift us into a new realm. Let us see beyond this life to the life to come. Pour out blessings today and tomorrow and every day we live, but continue Lord to pour out your blessings in heaven in eternity. For Lord, we acknowledge your ownership and we practice generous offering. So God, give us an outpouring today that exceeds our expectation. Give us an overflow and an abundance under your open windows. We thank you and we praise you. Bless your people now in Jesus mighty name. Move on us to give and pay our tithe that we might honor you and receive your blessing. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The hope of God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.